0: Geekville Radio. I love being with people. It's the most incredible thing in the world. Hello, once again, all you geeks and geekettes. Seth, aka Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville. And the host of geek of radio coming at you with a show full of news. We did a lot of spoilers our last episode, so we're sticking to news this time around. And we, we're going to talk Marvel Phase 4. We're going to talk the Mortal Kombat potential sequel, because we did predict there was going to be a sequel on our last episode. We got a double helping of Green Lantern, and then we'll wind it up with a little May the 4th preview of The Bad Batch. Unfortunately, I don't have to do it alone. Once again, joining me from the nice soft padded cell in South Kakalaki. Crazy Train, Jonathan Bullock.
1: All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. And I guess a lot of people were probably expecting, as we record this on May 3rd, which means knowing Seth and having faith in Seth, he'll have it up by May 4th with his editing prowess, that they figure opening up a, a show like Geekville Radio on May 4th, it would be all Star Wars. Well, we're going to give you some Star Wars, but we're going to give you a whole lot of other stuff, too.
0: Sounds like a plan. And without further ado, let's get to the news.
1: This week in Geekville.
0: I haven't played that bit in a while, so... Anyway, this morning, as of this recording, May the 3rd, Marvel did release a highlight reel that kind of showcased their return to the movies, so to speak. The first half really was kind of a flashback of previous films, and what was kind of the nice icing on the cake was we heard a voiceover from the man himself, Stan the Man Lee it was kind of goosebumps for me because it fit perfectly with the mood of of the trailer. I mean, did you get kind of get that same vibe there train?
1: Oh, as soon as he his voice started, I said, listen to what he says. Oh, this is perfect. I don't know when that was recorded, if it was an interview or if it was actually a voiceover, he recorded for something else, but it fit the tone perfectly. And to end his voiceover with actual footage in a theater back when we had such a thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. from the now iconic scene of, Cap getting near and Avengers Assemble at the end of Endgame and hearing the actual audience reaction was really, really cool. Uh, I, having seen that in the theater, I know you did too, this, my theater had a similar reaction as well, I'm sure. Did yours not? Oh, yeah. too?
0: yeah. Yeah, a- absolutely. I worked in a theater for many years in the 90s, so I definitely got to see several of those crowd reactions to those big events in movies. And I know it's not Marvel, but I say this just pretty much any time. We talk crowd reactions. One of the most interesting ones for me was Star Trek Generations. Of course, that was the first Next Generation movie, and it kind of was the passing of the torch between right. the original series and, and Next Generation, because there was this trailer and this voiceover in space and such, just something about two destinies coming, uh, coming around, and then it cuts to William Shatner as Kirk saying, I suppose the odds are against us, the situation is grim. And you hear the cheers, because, oh, yay, new Star Trek movie. And then it cuts to Picard, and just instantly that those cheers go to. Oh! Yeah, <laughs> it, it was one of the most surreal things because it's like the cheering to what?
1: Yeah, I think the best reaction I can ever I can ever remember alive at a theater actually probably had a lot to do with not only the reaction but the personal aspect of it. My ex wife was pregnant with our first child; she was very pregnant. Our mm-hmm. daughter was born in late September, and we went to see the original Independence. St- and if you remember the week that it came out, which would have been 1990, 96.
0: Yeah, because it came out Independence Day
1: weekend. Right. The Independence Day, July 4th, that year fell on a Friday. And of course, like I said, those that will remember back when we had theaters, Friday was the day that premieres, getting ready for the mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah. And so they were, that would have been the buildup. And, and you probably were you probably work working in a theater around that time. Oh, yeah. That was a highly anticipated movie, Independence mm-hmm. Day was.
0: I still remember seeing the trailers when we went to see the Star Wars Special Editions, and that, mm-hmm. that, that trailer got some pretty interesting reactions.
1: Well, it was the first big sci-fi movie we'd had in a while outside of franchises, like the prequels, which were, I think were yet mm-hmm. to come, and right. the Star Trek stuff you were talking about. And it was Roland Emmerich, and, and, and so he just, for geeks like us, Stargate. So we were like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Right. But I had heard a couple months, oh, it's going to drop on July 4th, how cool. As a horror guy, I always loved it when they would debut Friday Thirteenth movies on Friday the thir- on Friday Thirteenth. But mm-hmm. I digress. Well, then this is the first time I can really remember this happening. They decided to move it up to the Thursday to the third. They were gonna have like that 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 sneak preview screening at eight o'clock,
0: right? Which is commonplace now, but it wasn't a, it right. wasn't nearly right. as like done I, then. I said,
1: this is like the first time I can remember that. And then there was so much presale and buzz. A couple weeks before the movie was put, the debut, they moved it up to the the second, to that Wednesday. And so we had decided, my, my ex-wife and I decided we were going to go see it. at. She couldn't do a whole lot of stuff. She was very pregnant. Like mm-hmm. I said, my daughter was born in September, so she was seven months pregnant. Yeah. And we we that was we saw a lot of movies in theater that summer, and we went to an old theater that no longer exists in Greenville that didn't have the auditorium seat like they have now with the big reclining chairs. But we wound up going on, on the second. We kept having to move our date up because they kept moving the the, the the premiere night. And the the auditorium was so full, every seat was full. I don't know if they oversold the auditorium or, or what happened. And. Here I am with an extremely pregnant wife going to the ushers going, we ain't got nowhere to sit. And he immediately was like, you know, he saw my wife. And and you know as well as I do, there's nothing more pathetic looking than a woman that pregnant with her hand on her lower back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She looks like she's like not comfortable. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, ma'am. I'm so sorry. And he runs around and he says, hold on. He went and got like this bench basically like padded bench that was in the lobby and it brought it into the theater and put it behind there was like a, an aisle behind all the seats so you're supposed to like go and so you don't walk in front of the screen and he basically put that padded bench in front of the little, little handrail they had so we sat on the bench and just leaned forward and put our like put our arms on the handrail that's how we watched that movie and every explosion, and of course, that's a Roland Emmerich movie, so there's a lot of, he's kind of like Michael Bay, there's a lot of explosions in his movies.
0: I have a love-hate relationship with um, Roland Emmerich movies.
1: Because for this for that very reason, mm-hmm. every time there was an explosion, my daughter would kick. But that scene, right after the alien, like, mind melds, essentially, with, with Bill Pullman and the greatest president on film ever. <laughs> and, and and he finally, he breaks their little mind control, and he does that, that, that great line, nuke em nuke the bastards road warrior pop the entire theater because this is that was like that america moment it's like yeah i never thought i thought nuclear nuclear annihilation would be cheered so loudly
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, but it was like see i'm talking about don't you oh yeah, like, yeah absolutely nuke, them, nuke, nuke the bastards and everybody went nuts like hell yeah <laughs> america, <laughs> america. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs>
0: I do have to issue a correction here before somebody uh, sends us a 10,000 word blog post. I uh-huh. I, I double checked Independence Day came out in 1996, which would have been before the Star Wars special editions because they were 97.
1: Right, I said I thought I thought they predated that. I thought yeah. they did.
0: So I think it was Dragonheart that I that I saw the Independence Day trailers in front of. So just want to make sure I get uh, that out there so b- before uh, okay. somebody well, gets Dragon in our case. Dragonheart's a
1: great movie too. Another well mm-hmm. uh, those lesser known Sean Connery flicks,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, back when they were like four movies in a row that all that, that Sean Connery made about King Arthur, or something to that effect.
1: Interesting, you know, six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon. Of course, the live-action lead in Dragonheart was Quaid, and his brother was in Independence Day, and he would go on to star in the next big role in Emmerich movie the day after tomorrow. So there you yeah. go, folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> little yeah. trivia for you on top of our, our biggest crowd reactions. But back to Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: So I figured we'd go through with what we saw as far as this trailer, because we, we got not only... All the movies, presumably all the movies that are going to be part of Phase 4, we got the titles for the first time. Obviously, we knew about Black Widow. We know probably as much as Marvel's going to let us know before the release. Same thing with Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. The Eternals, we only got a quick glimpse of, mainly just the very fetching Angelina Jolie with a sword. And I I think there was a couple of quotes in there as well, but that's coming November 5th.
1: Now, maybe you've seen material I haven't. That's the first time I've seen any live action material from that movie. The only thing I remember was the last time we actually had a live live Comic Con, them introducing the whole cast
0: at Hall H. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That that was really all we saw, and that was the first video I think anybody had seen of anything Eternals.
1: So, so that 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 was new. That's nice then. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and as we've talked about before, it looks like Eternals is kind of like bringing the mythology into the. Marvel Universe right. as far as classic gods and such. Spider-Man No Way Home, we did not get any video, probably because they're still filming it.
1: I was completely like like floored by that one. Because I mm-hmm. had not, once again, you, you, you follow some websites I don't. I had not heard a name on that. We all knew that they were going to do one more Sony-Marvel crossover to kind of tie up Sony- reneging, essentially. On, well, Marvel probably had something to do with that, too, but I digress. We knew we were going to get one more, but I never heard a name or a release date or anything, so that was pleasant. As a big Spidey fan, that was pleasant. Surprise. Yeah,
0: I, I remember the memes that came out of that because I figured it was going to have home in the title, so it was like it was a crossover with Homeward Bound or all the different ways they could work the, the word home into the title.
1: And I think the title kind of gives it away with a with No Way Home. That's kind of where we are going to be with Spider-Man, I think, from here on out in Marvel. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be home anymore. But it also, isn't that one supposed to, supposed to be about the multiverse, and like they're going to probably introduce Miles Morales?
0: That is the rumor. We do know that Alfred Molina is playing Dr. Octopus in there. So it's probably a cameo, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of throwback to the, the Raimi films.
1: Well, uh, No Way Home... Gives me a a, a feeling, and I could be wrong, it's all speculation here ladies and gentlemen This could be similar to Into the Multiverse, Into the Mm Spider-Verse, the Sony animated Where Peter Parker, Tom Holland gets sucked into a multiverse is trying to figure out how to get back to our time Right That could be a great element to explain why we don't have Peter Parker in the MCU proper anymore,
0: you know And Fitting that they would reach back to the Raimi films, if that is indeed the, the rumor, because Sam Raimi is directing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which will be coming out in, in March. Right. One other thing about the Spider-Man, you mentioned Miles Morales. I fully predict that at some point we are going to get a Miles Morales, Peter Parker movie. I don't know whether they would introduce him in the same movie or make it separate or, 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 or whatnot, but... I actually fully expect a Miles Morales Peter Parker movie to be plural, called Spider Men. To me, that's just too obvious to pass up.
1: Yeah, I, I could see exactly where you're coming from. I wonder if they're going to go, if they do go with the multiverse idea and the Miles Morales in this No Way Home movie, how many variants of Spider Man do we see? Do we see as many as into the Spider Verse? Do we see Spider Man Noir? Do we see uh, Gwen Stacy as Spider Man? Do we see Spider Ham? Yeah. All the different
0: variations that we get. That's the one I'm hoping for most is Spider-Ham. When I saw Spider-Ham
1: in the end of the Spider-Verse, I was like, yes. They, they probed my brain for that one. Well, that's easy to pull off in animation. I don't know how you do that in live action unless you do a cameo like they did with Howard the Duck in the first Guardians. Right, yeah. But Howard the Duck, if you blink, you'll miss it. But he is in that big, big group of, of fighters fighting Thanos at the end of Endgame. He is in there.
0: Because he was in the post credit scene in the second Guardians movie, if I recall correctly.
1: That was the first one. Maybe you're right. the first it was the one. Second. Okay. Yeah. Regardless, it doesn't matter I'll be with happy with whatever we get Because I'm a huge Spider-Man I mm-hmm. would like personally to see Spider-Man Noir I don't know if you're familiar with the Noir universe
0: yeah. I haven't read it, but I know what it is It's that total 20s, 30s detective vibe
1: Yeah, it is And it's all very black and white So it's most of your street level heroes It's Luke Cage It's Danny Rand's Iron Fist It's Daredevil It's Spider-Man Kingpin's the main bad guy But really cool And it's kind of weird to see Spider-Man using guns but
0: <laughs> like we said, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in March. And that is such a Stan Lee, Jack Kirby title there, I think.
1: Okay, yes, we've said that before, but it's, it bears repeating. <laughs> yeah.
0: Then Thor, Love and Thunder. We knew that was coming, but this is the first time I think we got the date of May 6th.
1: That was another one I remember when we met the cast of the Eternals. You had Taiki Waititi introducing Return of Jane Foster and, and, and the whole cast and everything. Right. So that's coming
0: out almost exactly one year from this recording on May 6th. Then here's the first of the new names, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I don't think it was ever officially given the Black Panther 2 title, but I think calling it Wakanda Forever kind of opens it up to what we've talked about. Obviously, there's going to be another Black Panther. It's not going to be T'Challa, but it looks like it's opening it up to Wakanda as a whole because i believe Ryan Coogler is also developing a Wakanda series for Disney Plus so maybe this will be the introduction to that
1: with T'Challa however they're going to handle writing him out uh, i think based on Falcon Winter Soldier based on pretty much the entire you know country of Wakanda and their outside of T'Challa and Shiri, and their importance to this Marvel shared universe they've created in the films this makes sense that you focus more on the whole country than you do mm-hmm. just its leader. And maybe their hand, like you said, was forced because of the unfortunate passing of Chadwick. But yeah. I look forward to it. I think it's going to be Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. It would not surprise me if they start
0: to bring in the lore that's been brought in in the recent comics. And I haven't read that much Black Panther. I do have a couple comics that I've bought in the last uh, couple of years. But mm-hmm. I know that they had developed Wakandan gods. So it's kind of like a mythology of Wakanda that's being fleshed out as
1: well. They brushed on those a little bit at the beginning of the first Black Panther movie when they explained what the legend of the Black Panther was and where they got their powers, Mm -hmm. that it was ancient gods. So they've touched on it. Definitely there was a seed planted that if they want to fertilize it and then reap it, they can sow it. And it's
0: one other question that I think is worth asking since we're done with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And there was that rumor that the the last episode was going to be called Captain America and the White Wolf. Do, is this where Bucky goes? Does Bucky return to Wakanda and he's officially the White Wolf again?
1: Well, that could be interesting. Uh, I, I, I'm fine with that. I don't mm-hmm. know how. I don't know what kind of deal uh, Sebastian Stan has. I think he has a couple more movies on his on his contract.
0: And I believe he has also gone on record saying he's willing to play Bucky for as long as they want him. So
1: yeah, you know. he's and he's also rapidly becoming one of those. Like we talk about with Harrison Ford, John Schneider, and some others, where he's kind of just hit that 35, 40 and he stopped aging. Yeah. Yeah. And he,
0: <laughs> yeah, so probably 20 years from now, he's still going to look 35.
1: <laughs> yeah. He can still play Bucky and you can believe it. And they, though I don't think Bucky, much like Steve, is immortal. I think the super soldier serum, whatever they did to Bucky, the Hydra did it definitely slowed down his aging process.
0: Right. I think that plus the times that he was
1: essentially being frozen, but that's and brought back out. So he hasn't aged at a normal, at a normal rate as all of us other mere mortals. (laughs) Right. After all, he's, he's 106.
0: Right. Another new name that we got was the Marvels instead of Captain Marvel too. And I think that's pretty clear that it's being called that because it's going to be Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel, who of course is getting her, disney plus series there's actually some photos that leaked of kamala khan and her comics accurate outfit. so it'll be interesting to see another character go from the tv show into the big screen
1: and of course we've talked about we both think this is just the natural outside of secret secret invasion this is the natural place, next place to see monica Rambeau pop back up right and I, I'm, I'm thinking probably photon is what they'll probably call her
0: Hmm. yeah yeah that would make sense and then in February of 2023, we'll have Ant-Man and the Wasp calling Quantumania. So Quantumania is running wild, brother.
1: Exactly. You, you talk about uh, a about Stan Lee name. That's not a Vince McMahon name. I ain't yeah. ever heard it. Right. I was like, what, are we getting pro wrestling in this quantum mania?"
0: <laughs> I wish I could play that guitar riff from the classic WrestleMania from the late 80s.
1: This <laughs> is reminding me of like, those, those battle tractor pull commercials we had here in the South in yeah. the 80s. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday!
0: Yeah, that would either be uh, Larry Supermouth Huffman or Jan Gabriel doing the voiceover.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, the tractor pull! Truckazilla! It's quantum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the way paul rudd plays the character and and the comedic vibe that they have in that particular franchise in the mcu it fits it fits mm-hmm. and, and michael douglas as serious as an actor as he, he is i think he embraces it as well
0: don't you oh yeah yeah because he you notice michael douglas for the most part hasn't really done that much comedy and it's not that ant-man is comedy Comedy, but for the most part, it's more lighthearted than some of the others. Like after Infinity Guardians. War. Yeah, but, but we, got, we got that big ending in Infinity War, which kind of ended, in, to say the least, on a down note. Then we got, once again, a much uh, more upbeat, much funnier movie in Ant Man and the Wasp. I remember they even put that in the, the trailer. It's just like,
1: notice, a stinger with, with Janet and, and, and Hank and, and the Wasp all getting dusted, but it, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, but I, I still remember the saying in the uh, TV commercials, because they said, okay, you saw Infinity War, and I know what you're thinking. Where's Ant-Man?
1: You know, <laughs> Paul Rudd is just the perfect guy to pull that off. Oh yeah he, yeah, he just yeah yeah. another one of those guys I think stopped aging at about thirty five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was during, during over the over the holidays I, or, or over Halloween I was doing my normal gazillion horror movies and I was watching his screen debut, which many people don't know is Halloween Six: the The Curse of Michael Myers. He hadn't aged since then, and that was like ninety something. He hadn't aged since Clueless, which was what ninety five, ninety four. Yeah. <laughs> Which was yeah. I think his second film. I'm like, wow, he just has not aged. At I, all.
0: I still remember there was a meme going around that was if the Marvel Universe was in the 1990s and it was all the different characters and such, and they I was telling people that they missed the obvious joke because they had somebody else other than Paul Rudd playing Ant Man in the 1990s, and I'm just like. He still could have done it. (laughs) He could
1: have very much done it. (laughs) Anyway.
0: Yeah. And the last on the list of Phase 4 titles, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which will be coming out almost exactly two years from this recording on May 5th, 2023. With the return of James Gunn, correct? Exactly, yeah. James Gunn's writing and directing it. Part of the reason it got delayed, obviously he got moved over to Suicide Squad for DC, but he is also... Developing and in the process of still making a a, a peacemaker TV series for HBO Max with uh, Cena playing him. Yes, yes, with Cena, yeah, with John Cena playing him. <laughs> and but James Gunn's basically the showrunner of that, so that uh, okay. I can only imagine how that's going to be. Because knowing James Gunn and knowing H- HBO Max, that's probably going to be at least be a PG thirteen borderline R rated series. Probably going to be R rated. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking along the lines of that a Harley Quinn animated series. Right. Yeah. Which is. Excellent in, in its own right. As long as you don't take it as any real form of canon, uh, it, it's a hoot. Right. So out of those titles there, is there anything that jumps out at, at you special as far as what you want to see? Because they all look interesting, quite inter- Quite frankly.
1: oh, Of course, I'll, of course, we're going to see them all. They'll all get reviewed on this podcast. Like I said, for me, being a Spidey fan, Spidey, as I've said before, even though Ghost Rider is my favorite character and I'm a huge DC Batman guy, Spider-Man was my entree into the comic book. Mm-hmm. He was the first superhero i really dug so not having heard uh, a title or a release date that's the one that's got me most excited overall though not just any one particular thing it is nice to see re- now that we have release dates they are going to go back to what we expect out of marvel
0: as far as uh, like 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 titles and direction and such
1: uh, you No know, number uh, i'm sorry let me yeah let me expound on that number of, of of movies released in a calendar year it looks like we're back to three a year like, like, like we had gotten used to over the ten-year run of the the first three phases, and the way these things make money, why not? Right. Right.
0: The the only thing in this list here that I question is there's no actual Avengers proper title maybe right. there won't be maybe there will be maybe they're they got something special formed but it also kind of backs up what we were talking about before about kind of the new big three being captain marvel black panther and and dr strange there's definitely enough of an opening between all these movies for those right. uh, big three to kind of intertwine
1: yeah i'm looking here and the biggest gaps it looks like in between films would be spider-man and dr strange that's december 20 december of this year to march of next year so that's what, about a four month gap there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And then there's another big jump between uh, the Marvels in November of next year and Ant Man Wasp in February of 2023. So that's, yeah, that's also only about, about three a months. Month jump. Yeah. Three, four month jumps. So those are your two biggest gaps. I mean, heck, we're getting the Eternals and then Spider Man back to back, November and then December of this year. Yeah. We're going to get four movies in the MCU in one year. I guess that's to kind of make up for the fact we didn't get any last year. If I recall correctly, I think Eternals was
0: originally supposed to come out earlier Christmas this time. year. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. We've talked at nauseum about Black Widow being delayed multiple times.
0: So hopefully it won't happen again. So definitely bright things ahead as far as Marvel Phase 4. Anything else you wanted to add uh, before we take a quick break? Just to ask you, which one are you looking most forward to? Quite frankly, I think out of that, I have always said Black Widow. But that's pretty obvious, because I've been saying that for years, and that's the first one off the bat. Outside of that, probably Doctor Strange, even though I'm not as big of a Doctor Strange fan when it comes to the comics. Just mm-hmm. the whole title intrigues me, and is is this going to link to other past movies like we've talked about? Because yeah, kind of DC looks like they're kind of doing the same thing with The Flash, and kind of what they did with Crisis on Infinite Earth. So that's probably the one, the Doctor
1: Strange one, is probably the other one that intrigues me the most. Well, yeah, I will say about the Doctor Strange, since they've already let the cow out of the bag, that Wanda's going to be in this movie, and they, they, you know, they even brought Olsen out on stage when they announced that a few years ago. With the ending of WandaVision, it definitely is going to have a lot of buzz, I think, going in.
0: Because yeah, people think, are
1: going to like, oh, where, where does she fit? You know? mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into... Warner Brothers, kind of the DC end of things and HBO Max. We're going to talk some Mortal Kombat and some Green Lantern. This is Geekful Radio, and we'll be right back.
1: Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world and, of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at youjustgotfragged.com part the Wrestling
0: podcast family. All right, we're back. Uh, last week, we reviewed the Mortal Kombat movie, and since then, it has repeated its number one spot in the top-grossing movies of the weekend. So two weeks in a row, it was the top-grossing movie. It got the most viewed premiere weekend ever on HBO Max, so that means it beat out Justice League and Godzilla vs. Kong. So take that for what it's worth. Um, We also talked about potential sequel, and I think we both had said that we would probably be surprised if there wasn't a sequel made out of this. Right. And there's a sci-fi.com article that I'm going to link in the show notes at geekvilleradio.com slash 283, where the writer, Greg Russo, says that he had sequels in mind when writing this movie. Obviously, there's really not much in the way of... Plot since they're probably still in the in the formulative stages, if that's the right word to use. What I guess the big question to ask would be: Do you think there's any characters that they could go to? I, I would assume if they're if they're done with Mortal Kombat, they're doing Mortal Kombat two. That they would probably feed more heavily into the Mortal Kombat two characters, right?
1: Well, I mean, they already had some of those in the one. Like I said,
0: I think Molina and Katana were think, in the second one. They, as well.
1: they both were, but Molina, Jax, General Rex, Kung Lao, and I can't remember the other. Cabal. We're all, they all were, were part two or part three. And they were, of course, they give us the big stinger at the end with Johnny Cage. So we know he's coming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This might even be like a Johnny Cage origin story. I would not be shocked, you know.
0: Yeah, that that would be interesting. And I know I think we talked about uh, the Miz being a fan favorite to to, right, uh, to right, play him. Right.
1: I, I can't think of anybody from the first game they didn't introduce but Johnny Cage. Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Raiden, Sonya, Kano. Yep, they mm-hmm. did. Okay. Yeah,
0: and I'd also heard that Warner Brothers wanted more original characters because th- that was part of the idea of the Cole character. Why they did that is because they thought it would add an original take on the mythology. And I think that was a risk, but it seems to be a risk that paid off because I, I right. really didn't hear of anybody reacting negatively to the Cole character.
1: No, no. I, some people I've I've read felt, felt he fell a little flat, but they didn't hate him. But I think, like, we've, like we said in our review, I think this movie was meant to whet your appetite more than anything else. There's such a history of video game adaptations to film not doing well, both co- commercially and critically, combined with the fact that this is a film that they've already created one franchise that was mediocre at best out of. I think this was kind of the bean counters in Hollywood hedging their bets. Give us enough to see if there's interest, and then if there is interest, we'll we'll talk about really diving into it. That's just my feelings, how it went down.
0: I know this movie had a production budget of $55 million, which 25 years ago would have been huge, but nowadays it's like... Just nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there, there's some that could say that's a modest budget, but I think probably the most obvious way they would go would be adding the other realms into it. Sure.
1: You got, obviously, mostly Earth realm and some of Outworld, but you got you to think you've also got another realm, which is Scorpion's realm, which is basically Hell, You've got Adenia, which is where, where Katana comes in and her mother's Sedel, and, and so, yeah, there's other realms, of course, that they can add.
0: Who knows? They could do movies just on specific realms and then do an Avengers-type thing where they all where converge into right. one realm or something to that effect.
1: If you understand the mythology and lore of the game, the whole Mortal Kombat tournament is because the older Gods trying to prevent one another from taking over the uh, one of each other's realms – I think it was Raiden, if I remember right, according to lore, kind of came up with the idea, well, no, you can't invade that realm unless you win ten tournaments in a row of your best fighters against their best fighters. And that is where the mythology comes in. And, of course, we come into, come into this past movie with Earth Realm has lost the last nine tournaments to Outworld. So if mm. we lose this one, Outworld's going to invade us.
0: Okay, makes sense. Now, if I recall correctly, the HBO Max and Warner Brothers movie deals—that's only really for this year of 2021. It's probably going to end after that.
1: Mm-hmm. We talked about that when we when we had Dave McKinney on South Atlanta Wrestling to review Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League. That there was a there was an article that came out a few weeks ago that said that that was just going to be through this year. It was a deal they cut, I believe, with Regal Cinemas, which Regal is one of those huge change. Them and AMC are probably the two biggest that is really hurting because of the pandemic. So. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're looking for any kind of win they can get. Okay,
0: so by the time this sequel comes out, it may not be on HBO Max opening weekend.
1: You remember as well as I do. For those of our younger listeners that don't, back in the '80s and '90s, you, your, your big time movies would come out in the theater, and then, especially in the '80s, there was a. It was often a long time before a movie came out on video.
0: You right. Know? Oh yeah. Sometimes it was easily six to nine months.
1: Yes. And 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 they figured out a way to monetize it. I don't think the studios understood at first how to monetize it. I remember the first big movie that we got, like, actually bought the videotape of in my house was the Oliver Stone Oscar winner platoon. And it was like $90. And we're talking like 1986, 1987, nine, not $90. That's a lot of money. And I think the studios, they had this, this idea that... People would want to own a movie and watch it in their own home, and they come to find out pretty quickly because of mom and pop places, and then the the explosion of Blockbuster. No, the real the real money to be made is in rentals. Right. You know? I always figured that was
0: kind of the reason why many of those tapes were priced so high is to take advantage of a rental market.
1: Maybe, maybe, but that's really where they made their money back, and they and and that 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 kind of changed the business model. And then there were companies like empire films with charles band who is a horror guy i love he's the same company that did trancers and the Pump and Mastery franchises he made his whole career on having a studio that did nothing but direct to video stuff but anyway after the, the video would come out it would still be another what year almost until it would show up on on premium cable channels like hbo and showtime right yeah and over time those windows shrunk then by the late '90s, a movie would go to the theater; it would be it would end its run of you know four to six weeks, and it'd be out on video what two months later,
0: something like yeah, yeah. And then uh, under
1: under a year would be on HBO and Showtime. Nowadays, because of this, like you said, streaming's really affected things.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: So I, I wonder, even with it not premiering in theaters and HBO Max on the same weekend or the same day, I get this feeling that it will be on HBO Max available to stream before will any other streaming service or maybe even maybe even v, uh, DVD or Blu-ray. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah that, I was actually about to say the same thing, that maybe before it even comes to home video, it might be on HBO Max.
1: Right. Certain movies I like to own the physical copy of. I know you do too, but we both can agree that that's kind of a dying thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. But speaking of HBO Max, the reason why I brought it up is there is a Green Lantern series headed to HBO Max, which will be once again produced by Greg Berlanti and his crew. I think Mark Guggenheim's part of that as well. I don't know if it's going to cross over to the other Arrowverse stuff, but the interesting thing is that not only is a series being developed, but there is still a Green Lantern movie rumored to be in development as well. And I think the reason why they're going with both is because the... TV series for HBO Max is going to center around Guy Gardner and Alan Scott as kind of the, the mentor type character. It's supposed to uh, go back and forth between World War II era, because, of course, Alan Scott was the golden age Green Lantern, and then the more modern age would be Guy Gardner. And they actually have Guy Gardner cast uh, Finn Wittrock, who is in American Horror Story, I believe. I think that's he where he, he got his name from. He is going to be Guy Gardner, so... I, uh, with you having watched American Horror Story, uh, what do you think about him as Guy Gardner?
1: Yeah, he pulled it off. You've obviously, the key to playing Guy Gardner is kind of being a jerk, and I think Finn can channel that. I, I'm more interested to see who they're going to cast as Alan Scott.
0: Right. Because yeah, I, I, I know you're
1: a big Alan Scott fan. He is the epitome of a white meat baby Finn.
0: Nothing really revealed on that, but I think with Berlanti, he's always been very respectful to the past of the characters and such, so I I, I'm pretty confident they're going to come up with a good actor for that. Yeah,
1: well, saying here in this write-up you have that he's secretly gay. I don't know if that was ever in the comics, but it, it's a looking back, But looking back on it, I could totally buy Alan Scott as a, as a secretly gay man in that time period who would want to keep it hidden. Right,
0: right. Especially yeah, if you're in the 1940s, who would
1: right? And that I I did read Green Lantern. My knowledge of Alan Scott the character comes from my knowledge on Batman because Alan Scott is from Gotham. And he was one of the early heroes who inspired Bruce Wayne to become Batman. He's not a mentor; he's just a hero to right. somebody that Bruce looks up to.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I just, for me, I just absolutely loved the Alan Scott costume in the Kingdom Come series. Now Granted, of course, you know, Alex Ross obviously doing working his magic on that, but I just kind of liked that kind of <laughs> shining green armor, you know, almost oh, like yeah. power armor, right?
1: No, that wasn't Alan Scott. That was that was the Hal Jordan that had that.
0: I thought it was. I thought it was Alan. Hmm.
1: No, no, oh, okay. that, was, that was Hal Jordan that had that. But but yeah, it's Alan Scott. I always found it weird that he was a superhero whose weakness is wood. That's yeah. strange. Yeah. As a secret, as a secretly gay man who has an aversion to wood, you can make your own sick twisted jokes out of that. But I'll leave that alone. Yeah,
0: yeah the <laughs> the yellow thing kind of makes more sense from a color palette standpoint
1: right right well they didn't really dive into that until the silver age and then who was it was it mark wade i can't remember who was the no it was jeff johns yeah, i think it was jeff johns whole, that brought all the other created colors, the whole yeah. the whole spectrum in back in what was it the late 90s early 2000s something like Which yeah. I, I love that take this whole idea of it's the entire spectrum and each color relates to an emotion but i digress
0: yeah now we talked about a movie as well and the the movie, the, what differentiates it from the series, and I th- like I said, I think this might be why they're doing both at once, is that the movie is supposed to center around the John Stewart Green Lantern, and that Hal will serve as a mentor to John, which I think that story kind of tells itself. We've said both, I think, on mic and off, about Nathan Fillion being a good cast to play Hal. He's Hal in several of the animated DC movies. Mm-hmm. So uh, it talks about how Wayne T. Carr had done some scenes, I think it was for the Zack Snyder Justice League, but they wound up being scrapped in favor of the Martian Manhunter. I think it was a scene that took place on essentially Bruce's back porch. You know?
1: Yeah, it was the one I well, I think I discussed that when we reviewed it was actually I think the original thing was I think Zach wanted Brian Reynolds. And they're Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. Because let's be honest, Warner Brothers is trying to distance themselves as much from that as they can. I think Ryan Reynolds is, too. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, but it was always alluded to, I remember when the DCEU was first announced. So we're talking even before Batman v Superman, the only movie that had come out at that point was Man of Steel. Didn't they announce like a Green Lantern Corps movie? And it just because of the the disastrous returns on Batman v Superman and Justice League, that just kind of went away.
0: I think so, and that may have been when they started talking about doing something as a series instead of a, a movie because it, really just about everything Berlanti's done on TV, I, I don't know if I go so far as to say it's turned to gold, but has turned out to be very good.
1: He does seem to work well with CW and know what they want. with yeah. all Because I believe he's involved in Riverdale on top of being involved in all the, the superhero stuff, isn't he?
0: Right, yeah. So it's, it's almost like he's got his own network now. You know, they just might as well yeah. just make the Berlanti the Network G- and it's <laughs> it's all of the show.
1: Instead, yeah. instead of the CW, yeah, you're probably right.
0: Out of these two, obviously I would have to reserve final judgment until I watch them. But out of these two, I guess I'm probably more leaning towards the series because I've always kind of had, I don't want to say infatuation because I could sound wrong, but I've always had an interest in the World War II generation. And of course, I was born in the 70s, kind of raised in the 80s. So you're talking uh, an era that I have an interest in, the World War II generation. And then Your the grandparents 1980- era. Yep. And then 1980s generation, which I was a part of. I think that hits so close home to me that I'm probably more interested in, in that than the movie. But I guess it depends on who gets cast and who's writing or directing the movie. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that.
1: Uh, i probably leaning more towards the movie, only, be, only for one reason. As much as I love Guy Gardner, less I love Alice, I love the Green Lantern Corps in general. If you're gonna do Guy Gardner, I want to see him get punched out by Batman at some point. That's just <laughs> not right. gonna happen in a TV series, <laughs> but it's much more likely to happen in the movie. For those that don't know, that is, I would say probably top ten most famous panels ever in comics history. Where Guy runs his mouth and, and Bruce knocks him out with one punch. When you said said the top ten like most famous panels ever. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely made
0: Wizard's list. And really the exchange goes something like this <laughs> because Guy Gardner was essentially questioning Batman's authority, questioning Batman's leadership, and he, chall- he basically started challenging Batman to a fight. And it's just one punch, boom, decked. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just it's not that like I said, not that I don't like Guy Gardner, and it's not that I don't like Alan Scott. I do. I just really, really want to see a live action version of that scene, and we're we're much more likely to see that in a movie than we are on a television series <laughs> right. because of the gravitas of the Batman character. Um, yeah, and I don't care. Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, Robert Pattinson, I don't care. I just want a Batman to knock Guy Gardner out. I know you would love to see it too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd also am curious to see if they're going to do the classic Guy Gardner bowl cut hairdo. He's he's like <laughs> Mo from the Three Stooges as far as his hair.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, for my favorite Green Lantern is Hal Jordan. Mm-hmm. And, and if they do cast someone like Nathan Fillion, I'm really excited to see that. I would love to see it become a success and then possibly this lead to a much better adaptation of the Parallax storyline with Hal becoming Parallax than the crap we got in the Ryan Reynolds movie. Oh, you know. mean
0: you, you didn't go for the uh, sentient fart that was the uh, Well, you're the a parallax? Fantastic
1: Four fan. How did you feel about Galactus <laughs> being turned into a big nebulous cloud in the sky?
0: Yeah, pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I, I wanted to see a big You uh, asked the DC guy so that,
1: thing. so I'm going to ask the Marvel guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think those are along the same lines with those fan bases. <laughs> right.
0: And that's, of course, I don't know if he was serious when he said it, but I, I believe it was Kevin Flaggy that said if he could cast Galactus that he would cast Arnold Schwarzenegger. So... He's got he's got the you know, the muscular face for it. He's got the lack of the grasp of the English language for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <But I> digress.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, hey, don't get me wrong. Arnold's accent and language English language has come a long way since Conan. Okay, it really has. But I, still I, it's it's obvious he's not he was not born in the United States.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just when I heard the possibility of Arnold Schwarzenegger as Galactus, and I can't do an Arnold as well as our dearly departed friend Norco Kipti, but. I could just imagine a, I eat planets for breakfast, and I'm very hungry. (laughs) Take off the line from Commando.
1: (laughs) I will say this. You run a risk, with, and this is getting kind of serious here. I think you run the risk if you cast Arnold with where he would want to take the character. It would take the right director. I, I think Arnold probably takes direction well. Yes, I know the reason he got cast in so many movies is because he was such a box office draw. But I don't think if you're that big a pain in the butt that you're going to continue to get cast like he did. Yeah. But with that being said, I look at his take on, Doc, on, on Mr. Freeze and everybody hated it. But I'm like, what? I think that's how Joel wanted him to do it. And I think that's how Arnold wanted to do it. Arnold did not see comic books as a serious adult form of entertainment. Joel told him what his vision was, and whether you liked that movie or not, and I don't know anybody who liked that movie, I put that performance right up there with what we mentioned last, on our last episode with Raoul Julia in the Street Fighter movie. It's, a, it's an actor who's just obviously chewing up scenery and having a blast. And it goes
0: back to what we say so often. We probably say it every couple episodes, that actors act to please directors, not necessarily crowds. Right.
1: And and I I just think you run that risk, I think, casting Arnold in a a comic book movie. Let's hope with the success of comic book movies that he would take it more seriously. But you run that risk of him just being so over the top because we've already seen him playing a villain (laughs) in a comic book adaptation. And like I said, I don't think going back and watching that movie, even for the hot seeming pile of trash that it is. It is, there's a certain level of enjoyment I get watching Arnold just absolutely chewing up scenery, having a time of his life doing it, even though it's terrible why he's doing it.
0: Yeah, no argument there. All right, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into Star Wars, again, in pre- preparation for May the 4th. This is Geekville Radio, and we will be right back. Attention all Time Lords and ladies. Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not so favorite episodes of Doctor Who. From Hartnell to Capaldi, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examining the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at GeekGoradio.com. All right, we are back. Last segment of the show. And just to kind of piggyback off that spot, we'll make our obligatory Doctor Who reference. Myself and Mark Short are working on the next installment of Examine the Doctor. We're going to look at the Lost series, Lost story, The Faceless Ones from the Patrick Troughton era that was recently released as an animated reconstruction. So if you liked the past animated ones we did with the Macro Terror and the Tom Baker Shada story, there's more where that came from. That's going to be our next story, The Faceless Ones. So Train. I know I'm kind of more into the Star Wars TV, especially the animated stuff, than you are. But mm-hmm. I figured it was worthwhile to talk about The Bad Batch because, again, May the 4th is right around the corner. Most of our listeners are probably listening to this on May the 4th. And The Bad Batch is set to debut tomorrow on Disney+. The premiere is going to be 75 minutes long. I don't know if wow. that's just one episode or if they're going to do like what they did with Clone Wars or some of the stories which took place Over three or four episodes, they would just edit together into like an omnibus long format movie. But we'll we'll see because the way it's listed as far as what is leaked from Disney Plus was that the subsequent episodes will release on Fridays. They'll be about a half hour long and that this coming Friday, it's listed as episode 102 and then the following of the episode 103. So it does seem to point towards the, the, the first
1: first being two episodes just put together
0: exactly yeah or just simply just one episode that's very long and then if it goes us into syndication or something like that they may chop it up from there right
1: but oh disney's not gonna let anything go into syndication but they can play it on their own streaming service come on now yeah how many times have we said all the all the star wars fans lamenting how george lucas merchandised out star wars and then disney bought it we were both like yeah you ain't seen nothing yet <laughs> <laughs> right
0: right exactly So we got very quick summaries of these first three episodes. The first one, Aftermath, which this is going to be the 75-minute one, it's essentially taking place right at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And you you even see it in the trailer. They, They replay that speech from Palpatine where he's talking about the Republic being reorganized into the first Galactic Empire.
1: Oh, you're talking about when he addresses the Senate first time all scarred up after the base window encounter.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Right before he almost loses to Yoda, but oh well.
0: Now, I don't know if they are using the actual dialogue from the movie. It's very similar, or if they're doing a, a re-recording of it. Because I don't know if you knew this, but for the final season or two of Clone Wars, the man that voiced Palpatine and the Emperor was actually Tim Curry. That, that Tim oh. Curry, the Tim
1: Curry. Dr. Frankenverter, Tim Curry. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I always thought he'd be perfect in a Star Wars movie anyway. So he
1: needs to be an Imperial officer. Mm-hmm. He, do, he does. I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: You know my love of Tim Curry so. mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I he's he's great in everything he does, literally. But the episode aftermath, it's the summary states the clones of the Bad Batch find themselves in a changing galaxy after the Clone Wars. That does seem kind of bland there, but looks like we're going to see what is happening immediately following the events of Episode Three with uh, bad batch. So this does take place during the clone wars. Essentially. Yeah. The very tail end and then into the kind of post episode three world and the Jedi purge and all, all that jazz.
1: Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. The clone wars didn't end right after order 66. It was a few it was a little bit after that, right? Right.
0: Right. It, 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 but that was the main turning point because the Jedi were so instrumental in leading the troops during the clone Wars. Now, episode two is called cut and run. And the summary states that the Bad Batch will visit an old contact. And the preview pic shows a girl allegedly named Omega. I don't know if that's going to be a nickname or if that's a real name or what, but that's going to be where the child character comes into play. And then the third episode, Replacements, uh, the Batch gets stuck on a desolate moon. Now, I think I'd said it before. I I know I talked to friends about it, and you I can't remember if I said it on mic or not. But my hunch as far as what this show is going to be depicted like, that it's almost going to be like uh, an A-team in space.
1: Right, which I, I told you, I may not be a fan of, of the animated stuff as much as you are, but that concept has me at hello.
0: Yeah, especially with Hunter kind of being the Space Rambo type, because he's got the, you know, the headband and the, the whole nine <laughs> the head, yards. The head,
1: yeah. <laughs> They've moved to the underground. If you can find them, you can hire the bad
0: (laughs) and then you hear the blaster sound
1: (laughs) 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 exactly i just wonder with it being with it being animated if they're going to have as many laser blasts as they did gunfire and a team with that nobody Mm -hmm. dying. (laughs) quite possibly
0: now dave filoni is executive producer on this like he is for clone wars and like he was for mandalorian so yeah yeah and rebels as well And, and we do know, because she's in the trailer, we do get a young Fennec Shand in this, and Ming-Na Wen is doing the voice for that. Okay, cool. You know, so you get that kind of bridging. So, Like I said, I'm, I, I know you're probably not chomping at the bit for something animated, but I think there's enough here to that sounds intriguing to you, right?
1: Oh, yeah, and I'm a Star Wars for that. Mm-hmm. Right. So even if I don't watch it, I will definitely be picking your brains and reading reviews online because I need to know the lore to to stay current.
0: Right, right, I, Absolutely. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Geekville Radio. We will be back, like I said, within 24 hours. Of when you hear this, I'll have my review of the Aftermath episode. We are on social media, both Facebook and Twitter, at Geekville Radio. We're on all the plethora of podcatchers. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it. Just look up Geekville Radio. You'll find this show as well as all of our spinoff shows like Examining the Doctor, uh, Examining the Dead, uh, Lesson on Geek Hall of Fame, and all those. And Train, if anybody wants to get a hold of you on social media, where can they find you?
1: Of course, I can always be reached uh, on Twitter at crazytrain__jb. That's pretty much my handle across all social media platforms. So do a search for crazytrain__jb. If it has pictures of me as a wrestler or Jonathan Boldick, it is me. I want to wish everybody uh, a happy May the 4th. I am a geek, and I am a Star Wars fan, and that is one of the biggest unofficial holidays on our calendar.
0: May the 4th be with you. Absolutely. So we are going to shut down the power here at the Geekle Radio Studios. Thank you folks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time with The Bad Batch. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright its publishers, all rights reserved. When I was working at the movie theaters in the '90s, I'd always kind of look at the coming attractions and be like, "Okay, what's going to be the Will Smith Fourth of, of July movie this this year?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: that made me think about: Is it why is it not shocking to me that when two co-hosts of a of a podcast called Geekville Radio are describing the largest crowd reaction they've ever heard a movie theater, and it happened to be franchises like Star Trek and Independence Day? Just yeah. not much of a shock there, right? <laughs> yeah, fitting.